Okay, so basically what we're doing tonight is our first podcast. Um, my name is Greg. Most people here in the church know me, but you on the podcast do not. And we will be uh, diving into our first subject of God and politics. And um, here tonight with me, I'll have uh, Brother Ken Van Buskirk, and I'll have Brother Scott Whitehead, and I'll let them introduce themselves in just a moment. And basically our goal for the podcast, it came as a burden because we used to do these um, these Bible studies like we're going to do tonight. And it was like a um, the burden came from thinking that, you know, this would be really good to get outside of our Facebook group and our local church and basically be able to put this online for anybody to get a hold of and maybe even bring more people um, to a common understanding with this as well. Um, that was my goal. And then I'll let them tell kind of like where their heads are at when they're going through it too. So I'll pass it off to Brother Scott to introduce himself. Yeah, so I'm Brother Scott Whitehead. Um, and, you know, we've we've done a lot here uh, at the local church um, to use technology to to spread the message of Christ. And um, podcast is something that we talked about for a while. And uh, Brother Greg had the, the burden to kind of get it rolling. And um, I'm I just want to help in any way that I can to to further the spread of the gospel. And this is one avenue. This is one way um, that we can reach folks that we may not be able to reach any other way. So I'm excited for our first podcast tonight. Amen. So my name is Brother Ken, and I'm thankful to to be part of this. Um, I didn't know how podcasts work, and I didn't think that, you know, I've heard a few of them, but I wasn't sure uh, exactly how people put them together. And then I realized that we live in a world today where a lot of people are commuting and they go to work. And so whenever they commute, they like to have things to listen to. Um, you know, some people are listening to 106.9, other people are listening to other messages and stuff, but people really like to listen to podcasts. So we thought we'd give it a try. Um, and Brother Greg had the burden to do it too. And anytime that somebody has a burden, I want to try to help them follow that through. And so I'm thankful for to be a part of this tonight. And I told Brother Greg, I said, you know, it kind of needs to be about things that are real to us. And so one of the things that I think people really struggled with this past year was the election um, and knowing how God actually fit in that, knowing how to vote, knowing, mm -hmm. you know, what what are my political views as a Christian? What am I allowed to believe or not to believe? And so I wanted to start off by saying that um, for me, this is me personally, um, I think a lot of people decide that they want to get involved in politics when it brings attention to them right or when it mm -hmm. well yeah. okay i'm at, i'm at work and i'm having a discussion at work and now i want to talk about who the next president's going to be and i feel i have to vote this way because of my christian views but for me i have to vote according to my conscience my conscience plays a big role about who that i decide that i want to put on put my vote for I've heard a lot of statements before that I'm that are controversial. Um, I've heard people say who called themselves Christians that, well, if you don't vote this way, then you can't be saved. And I, I think that that's, you know, pretty judgmental whenever you start saying, well, if you don't vote a particular way, then you can't be saved. Right. Um, so what we wanted to do was try to take a look and see what role does Christ play as us as Christians as politics? What should we be concerned about as Christians when we're going to cast our vote? What should we, you know, where should our minds be 
when it comes to understanding what Christ and what God thought about politics. So I'm going to introduce a scripture to us tonight. It's in Isaiah chapter 9. It's in verses 6 and 7. Um, and then we're just going to kind of start talking. And if you have questions or comments you want to share, you know, you guys know how to share them in the audience. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Um, I think some people may think that this is talking about the literal government, but I actually think that this is talking about church government and mm -hmm. God's kingdom being established with Christ being the founder right. oh, of yeah. the kingdom and him the one who who oversees him being the head right right but some people could take this and apply it and say oh no 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 this is this is Jesus you know being prophesied about being involved in politics mm -hmm. i don't if you look at Jesus's record and we're going to go to the new testament here in just a minute but if you look at Jesus's record you don't really see him being involved no. in politics too much at all uh, because his main concern, his main focus was the church and the kingdom. And um, I think that's the same role we have to take. But there was a lot of folks who were very passionate about this last election. There's a lot of folks who felt like that, you know, the world was going to totally fall apart if some person wasn't elected. But as Christians, where should our faith be, right? I mean... Yeah. We've lived through a lot of different elections in our time. We've lived through a lot of things. Do we not believe as God's people that regardless of how things go politically, that God's still the one who's in control? And, you know, regardless of who wins or who doesn't win, it's it's Christ is the one who is holding the kingdom where we where, where we set at. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people still struggle with that. Yeah. I really do. You know, I was thinking, Brother Ken, as you were talking about how that some may take this scripture and say, well, this is talking about our literal government. And I think why that can take place sometimes is so much of the Bible, um, we want to apply to our lives, right? That's kind of the purpose of the Word of God, right. is for us to take that and interpret it and allow His Spirit to show us um, how to apply that to our lives. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can take things like this and we can say, well, we can take it literally and say, well, that's our literal government. That's that this scripture is applying to the uh, United States government, right? Right. right but, exactly. but this, it's not. the United States was not even a country no. whenever this was written, right? It, it's bigger than that, right? And and it's actually much bigger than that in our spiritual lives, Absolutely. right? This the spiritual government, the spiritual kingdom um, that God has set up. But I think sometimes uh, scriptures like that can be easily misinterpreted because people try to apply it to their everyday life. Exactly. Yeah, or they they use it for leverage, right? Yes. Like, well, if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to, you know, we need God in our government. 
Well, if we go back and we look in the Old Testament, you're going to see a lot of times when God gave people their wishes and he wasn't in it, but they cried out for it for so long and so much that he said, okay, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to give you. Um, and so when, when you think about that in terms of government, right, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if God can be involved in our government. And, and I know that people look at it as well, but he's involved in this party or he's involved in that party. But honestly, if we look at the condition that our country's in, are you going to, you know, where we need to put the blame at is on sin, not on a party or on, right. you know, there's people not living Christian lives who are in government office. That's not just federally. That comes all the way down to locally. It's all about people making, people don't do what's right by each other anymore. Right. And so to say that, okay, well, I'm going to vote this particular party because they are as close to Christian as can possibly be. Or we make the statement, oh, I'm going to pick the lesser of two evils. No, we have to get God's conscience on the thing. God needs to speak to us for us to make a decision based on his will and not what we think is the right thing to do. I know that there's people who say, but this party stands for this and that party doesn't stand for that. Well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a term and, and I'm going to share it with you. It's called a Dixiecrat. I don't know if you ever heard of a Dixiecrat or not, but years and years ago, the Democratic Party used to stand for people in the South who were very, very poor. And they stood for a lot of things. They stood against a lot of things, right? And so there are still people in who have been raised that way their whole lives. And they don't, they feel like, well, my grandfather voted that way and my grandfather before him, and they feel like they need to vote that way, right? You know, whether you choose whichever side you decide to choose, what we need to understand is, is that there's a bigger picture than our politics in this world. Much right. larger. Amen. Yeah. I mean, if we don't stay focused on that, how many Christians actually got involved and got wrapped up in this election so bad that some of the candidates were lifted up as gods? Yeah. Right. Now, I'm going to read a scripture to you in the New Testament here in just a minute. But our currency that we have, coins that we have, would have been considered idolatry in Christ's time because of the images that were inscripted on them. And that's the reason why when you see Jesus answering a question about, you know, render under Caesar, what's Caesar's, that's what we're going to talk about. They were trying to trick him, and he knew that. But you know what he was trying to tell them there was, you need to pay attention and stay focused to the things of God, not to the focus to the things of this world. Governments are going to come and go in our world, but God is never going to change. He's always going to be the same. Yeah. So however the government may go, whatever choice that people make, we need to keep our faith grounded and rooted in God. We need to see a bigger picture than who's running the country. I mean, really, because if we don't and our faith is in what our government's going to be able to do, mm -hmm. then where's that going to leave us as God's children? Right? Are we all constantly going to be waiting on the next stimulus check? Right? Are we going to constantly we be waiting on the government to do this for us or to do that for us? You know, when we do that, it 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 works against our faith. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like almost that people are searching so hard for something, and they don't know where to search that they're almost putting that face, like you said, in front as as Jesus's face. Like this is the Savior. This candidate is the Savior. This is. If you don't vote for this candidate, this is 
you're losing out as a Christian. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think Jesus is not within a million miles of this conversation. You know, he doesn't have, either way, he doesn't care about the opinion. I mean, the scripture I'm sure you're getting ready to go to in Matthew is probably the one that I'm thinking of is he, he doesn't care. It, it doesn't, I mean, his, your opinion doesn't matter to the, what his will, you know, right. at, at the end of the day, if you're not going to do it, he's going to the next person that's going to do carry out his will. That's what it is. But I think people are searching so hard for that savior that they are putting these candidates on a pedestal and they're like, well, this guy's going to lead us back to a God or, you know, a God filled country. And, and that's, that's not the case at all in, in a lot of instances. You know, Greg, when you said that, my mind went to this is that the whole time that Israel was looking for a king and looking for a savior, remember when Moses went up on the mount and he'd been up there for a little while and because they couldn't see him physically, they got nervous, what did they do? They, they started trying to find something to worship, yep. right? Yep. Really what this ought to tell us is the condition that our world is in yes. today, that people are so stuck on trying to worship something, trying to find someone or something to worship. Yeah. And Christianity had a great opportunity to shine during this time. Yeah, right. I mean, we had a great opportunity to shine during the election. We had a great opportunity to shine during COVID. But I wonder how many of us got wrapped up in those conversations instead of remembering the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. The kingdom, not a kingdom, yeah. the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. The kingdom that we're in. And pointing people and letting them know, no, it's not about who's on the ballot. Yeah, <laughs> That's not what Christianity's about. It's about who's in heaven, right? But boy, did the conversations go so many different directions, yeah. right? I wonder how many of us was, as Christians was offering another an eternal hope yeah. instead of just a, a, a worldly hope, right? Right, yes. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Even, even still, who? Who was offering the conversation at which one of these candidates is going to lead us back? Who, you know, who is going to push God more than the other? You know, that wasn't you. I can almost guarantee that wasn't a conversation had. No, it was policies. Who's going to give me the bigger stimulus check? Yep. Who's going to get us out of this pandemic? Who's going to clear X, Y and Z? It was never which one's going to allow God back in schools, which one's going to cut the abortion, which abortion was a slot piece, but it didn't obviously did not take a forefront. Yeah, you know, so. That's a lot of our conversations were, were lost in the in the worldly side of these candidates and not the spiritual side of what we need to be focusing on. So I don't know if you guys knew this or not, and I didn't know it till after a while, but it used to be that um, elections were based on moral principle. I don't know if you guys knew that. Before Ronald Reagan was elected, the main uh, interest that people decided their vote on was where did the candidate stand morally? <laughs> Where did they stand as far as how they lived their lives? Were they honest? Did they, mm -hmm. you know, did they, were they a good person? Were they a good family person? There was a lot of moral things that were involved. When Ronald Reagan was elected, the number one thing that d decided a vote was, and I want you to remember this, was the economy. That is still the thing that drives votes most of the time is the economy. Is this guy going to give us more money? Are we going to be able to have better jobs? Are we going to be able to live better lives? Well, I just want to share with you tonight, God's children have not always lived great lives. Uh, like Brother Roger and I was talking this morning, most people who serve God were up against it quite a bit. You know, I mean, they, God always provided their needs. God always took care of them. But when it come down to really, truly 
you know, having these world's goods and, and really enjoying what the world had to offer, you don't see them focused on that. You see them focused on the kingdom, the lost, spreading the gospel, ministering to others. Yes. And I truly believe that some of these things have gotten us sidetracked as Absolutely. God's children. Yeah. Absolutely. Brother Ken, we've got a, a post here, um, a question or a comment. Tony, Brother Tony Malatesta posted that the religious realm feels that Jesus will set up a literal kingdom and that the entire system of world government will be on his shoulders. Right. That's a good point. And that's what people do believe. But the thing of it is, Jesus made a statement in Pilate's judgment hall. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. He right. said, if my kingdom was, was of this world, then my servants would fight. Mm -hmm. God's people don't fight, literally, folks. We, do, we give that, thank God we give that up. Right here before you is a man that the lion has laid down with the lamb. That's not literally. That means that old fighting lion-like nature, God's took that out. We don't fight not only literally, but we don't fight in opinion. We don't fight in conversation. We don't do those things. We need to learn to manifest God, especially in, in, in these type of things that are happening in our world. I, I tell you, during this past election, I had different people try to get me involved in different conversations, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted to talk about this. They wanted to talk about that. I would not do it. What I did is I diverted that conversation, and every time I tried to take it back to spiritual things, even with things at work. I would tell people when they wanted to talk about, oh, if that guy gets elected, things are going to be really, really bad. And I'd say, well, you know what? The Scripture lets us know things are going to get bad. But yeah. that don't change God. Yeah. I think our faith sometimes is so much in what we can see mm -hmm. instead of what we can, instead of what we know. Yeah. You know? And it's really hurt us as the children of God. Well, the information is so readily available right now, you know, so you can, whether it be true or false about either person or any person, rather, but just as readily available is a scripture app on your phone. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing I've had to do is I've had to actually step away from the news side of things and just, okay, when I feel that urge to pick up that app, <laughs> I got mm -hmm. to turn and. Let's try the Bible app this yeah. time. There you, know? you go. Let's try to yeah, figure yeah. out this side of it. And it's and it's difficult because you don't want to be that person at work that just is illiterate to <laughs> <laughs> what's right. going on around you. But right. at the same time, you're like, I feel better being illiterate. I'd rather you tell me the news than me have to find out myself. I'd rather read something else that's more positive and focus on me for a minute. You know, that's interesting, Greg, because I, I thought the same thing. I was watching the news and keeping up with quite a bit of stuff, you know, reading articles and mm -hmm. stuff. And then I stopped. And, and I thought to myself, well, how are you going to make an informed decision? And then I said, well, God sure helped me make a lot of informed decisions. Yeah. I guess I'm just going to stick with him. Yeah. And he helped me make a an informed decision. I truly believe God can direct our paths in yeah. every aspect of our lives. Absolutely. Even in this. Even in this. Right. But people want to make this controversial. Yeah. But as Christians, we don't have to make it controversial. Yeah, Brother Ken, you had mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago about that the, the Scripture actually says that we we may have tribulation and hard times. And Brother Robert Mowry had posted that we are actually kind of guaranteed tribulation and persecution in this world. In John 16, 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you that, in, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the oh, world. And in Second awesome. Timothy Good, the 3 great and 12, share. Great share. it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yeah. Yeah. And if I, I was thinking about that, you know, if we're looking to our physical government, our literal worldly government mm -hmm. to help with these things, we're going to be at a loss. That's why so many yeah. people are searching, like you talked about, Brother yeah. Greg. They have their faith, as you mentioned earlier, Brother Ken, they have their faith in the wrong thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Exactly. It's in a political party. Mm -hmm. It's in a candidate. You know, it, it's in all of these other things rather than who it needs to be. In. Yeah. That's and right. I'll tell you where people's faith is more than anything. I feel like, especially in our country, is in the economy. Mm -hmm. It is really, truly all about the money. Um, the politics is about the money. Um, the, the people's people's views are even about the money. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a we had a candidate just recently they flipped back and forth between parties several different times mm -hmm. you know it's all it gets to be all about what can the government do for me yeah you know and when we as christians if we get so wrapped up in that then where does that leave us as far as our faith towards god goes right. yeah it hurts our faith it really does it doesn't give god an opportunity to shine because we're just waiting on Uncle Sam to do something for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll just be honest with you. I served for Uncle Sam. And I got really, really sick serving for Uncle Sam. And I fought the federal government for eight years because of that. And I work with guys every day who give their lives, who serve this country. And then when it comes time for the government to give back, it's like pulling teeth because that's how our government runs a lot of times. Now, don't get me wrong. I do want to say this. I believe we live in the greatest country in the world. Amen. And I believe, but I do know that just in the last 20 years since I've been a Christian, that a lot of our principles have changed as a country. They continue to decline. There is... You know, God is mentioned in, in the election, but you know why God is mentioned? We're, we're reaching for that uh, evangelical vote. Exactly. We're, we're targeting that group that we can get that vote from. You know, for me, I've been around some men who were, I would consider great leaders. Great leaders. Uh, when I was in the Gulf War, there was a guy that I served with, uh, Major West. I, who, who, you know, I won't say his first name. West is a pretty common name. He actually left the theater of the Gulf War to go back and be an aide to the first President Bush. That guy was a quality leader. I can tell you that what I don't see in our government today is genuine leadership. Leadership that's self-sacrificing. Leadership, leadership that's based on biblical principles. Yeah. God give us a Bible-based yeah. leader. Because leaders are those Jesus taught him. Remember, right? The disciples said, well, who's going to be the greatest among us? Right. Who's going to be the best? Who, can I sit on your right hand? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see humanity in that? That's all that is, yeah. just that. And Jesus said, you don't, you don't know what you're asking for. Yeah. 
I'm drinking from a cup that you don't want to drink from is what (laughs) he's telling them, right? But yet at the same time, that's where we get wrapped up in, right? Trying to figure out how can we be at the top? And that's what the struggle is in our country today, being at the top. That's like I was talking with uh, someone before the the service and i'll kind of preview on what we were going to be talking about tonight and i was like you know it's funny you know you say within 20 years it's declined i was thinking back i believe it was in the early 70s we really started sprinting away from god you know we started um with the abortions pushing god out of school and all these different things you know and i'm like and everybody's like well if you don't vote for this person then you're not a christian i'm like man that has nothing to do with it anymore because right. christianity's been taken out of it 60 years ago exactly. you know and he's been gone from it for 60 years and you have you know all these people's like and it's it's wild to me what i saw in the last year is how many people have fought it's like a bunch of neck body yeah. you know and uh yeah. lost a cough like i've told you i've lost a lot of confidence in a lot of people because of it you know i'm like man this isn't what god wants to be this isn't what god wants this we we should be standing together we should be stepping up holding hands through this and and bringing each other up and instead we are literally ripping at the gills trying to find fault finding spirits you know people are like if you ain't this you're this and this and this i'm like you don't know who i am you know and then we're not trying to find out about those people and and push the jesus agenda we're pushing our own agenda and saying it's jesus's agenda right right so it's a big problem there you, you know one of the things that you said about us being together i work with a guy who used to live in new york and he was actually in new york when 9 11 hit and he told me, he said, I love to have conversations with the guy. He's, it's awesome. But one of the things he said was, he said, you know, Ken, after 9-11, he said New York changed. He said people were speaking to each other. They were kind to each other. He said it really made a difference. He said, but it didn't last. He said it seemed like after about a year, year and a half, they just went right back to being the exact same way they were before. And I think that that's what people don't realize that the government's going to flip like a coin. It always has. Yeah. And things are going to change. It's like a wave. It comes in and it hits the beach and it goes back out and it changes and it brings things in and it takes things out and it brings things in and takes things out. But as Christians, our constant has to be Christ and the things yes. of God and the kingdom of God and doing a work for God. And our government, that it needs to be separate from that. Absolutely. It really does. It needs to be separate from that. We get so hyper focused on what the government's doing, and we'll forget about the things that God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a comment, Sister Becky Laywell posted here uh, in in John eighteen thirty six. Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence?" And she asked the question, "What about the military?" Um. In terms of what about the military, I'm not sure the question. Can you text the real quick in terms of what about the military? I'm sorry, I don't necessarily understand. the. What about the military? In what sense? Okay. Give her just a second. She'll push that up here. I'm sure it won't take her too long. I mean, it's maybe she's saying as far as having a military. Oh, is that what you mean? Okay. As far as having a military... Yeah, is this something God wants us to be involved in? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, when I first when I first got saved, uh, I was pretty conflicted over that. Um, you know, if we have young men who start to go in the military, one of the first things I'm going to tell them is go to college. You know, try to go to college, try to get a degree. 
you know, um, that's really a tough question, you know, to say, should we just not have no military at all? You know, should there not be any way to protect ourselves? Um, that's a tough question. I'm not sure I know how to answer it, to be quite honest with you, Sister Becky. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I definitely don't have the answer for that, but I think we live in an evil world. Mm -hmm. and, and when I think about that, I think about if sin had not entered the world, we wouldn't need a military. That's right. true. Yeah. There are evil people in this world. Um, and maybe that's, that's the reason why we have to have it. I don't believe God just would want us to have a military to have a military, right? Mm -hmm. um, but without a military, you have a lot of evil in this world, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess my mind went to uh, a man that won't take care of his own household is worse than an infidel. Yeah. And I believe that that's speaking spiritually, but I also believe that speaking tangibly and even protecting them as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I agree with Scott. I, when people ask me that question, my mind always goes back to the lady who come to our services one time and she said, you know, I wish that the, that McDowell County, we were in McMarion that time. I wish that the McDowell County Sheriff's Department would, would bust every meth lab in McDowell County. And I told her, I said, that would be great, but probably for everyone that they busted and destroyed there'd be another two or three that would come up if we're doing our job right then the sheriff's department wouldn't have a job and so i think there's always going to be darkness and sinfulness in our world it's not going to change and i i personally believe and this is just my personal belief i don't have any bible for this but i believe at some point you have to have some type of protection um that's just my own personal belief, but that's a good question, Sister Becky. We have a lot of comments coming in. Okay. So, Sister Tasha said, I was always taught you are duty-bound as a Christian to vote. What if you feel that you can't vote? I do love America. I love my rights here. So what is my duty to my country as a Christian? I know I have inherited a lot. I want to be the best American Christian. Is that even possible? I think that's that's another good question, and I'm still thinking on the military question as well. But <clears throat> I think my mind goes to when you ask that question um, that it's my godly duty to vote. I think is that how read that again? Yeah, she said I was always taught that you are duty bound as a Christian to vote. So I don't personally feel that I'm duty bound as a Christian to vote. I don't feel that way, and you know I don't feel that I necessarily have to promise you that I'm going to vote a particular way either being a Christian. What I'm going to look for is a man who is godly. Not who's close to godly, <laughs> right? I've done the picker of picking the lesser of two evils things. I've done that. And in in terms of saying I want to pick somebody who's as close to God as possible. I understand that. But I want to say that we have a conscience and God can speak to that conscience. Oh, yeah. And if God tells you to vote this way, then you need to vote that way. But if God tells you, you don't have a candidate to vote for, then you don't have to vote. No matter how much pressure somebody puts on you, no matter how much people tell you, well, you're, you know, you're duty bound as a Christian to vote. 
you're going to have to show me some scripture for that. Where does it say that we're duty-bound as Christians to vote, right? We do know, and I'm, I've got some scriptures here that we can read, we do know that there's a lot of places where the scripture teaches us to obey magistrates, to obey governments, right? Yeah. Do you realize that that was not governments and magistrates of God's choice? Right. Right? So what we've got to do is the, the scripture teaches us to live by the laws of our land until they cross over to God's law. When they cross God's law, then God don't require you to live by those laws anymore. And there's some laws that men pass that are not godly. And so we don't have to cross over those laws. But I've never read, and, and you know, I'll, anybody can show me where you feel like that there's a scripture that it says, you know, that is your Christian duty, you have to vote. No, you don't have to vote. So. Or if the Christian duty part comes from fighting for Christ. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if that, that verbiage comes from this is your way to fight for Christ's case in the office. That's a good point. You know, and the same thing on the military. And if you keep God out of politics, um, like you said before, like keeping them separate, I feel like at the end of the day, the rights and the, the privileges we have at living in what you call the greatest country in the world would diminish because we would be overtaken and we would lose. You know, we would have to bow to whatever rights came from whoever overtook us in a way. I think another question I think about the military is to say, well, do we need a police force? Of course we do. We absolutely have to have a police force. And I think one of the biggest reasons we do is because we can't control people, other people's actions. Right. Right. Yep. We can't control that. So these people who got, you know, on this kick about not having policemen, well, eventually you're going to find out that without having policemen, we're going to go back to an Old Testament time when every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that was a pretty rough time. You know, I don't know if we realize this, but our country was established with godly principles. It was meant to be established with godly principles, and we've drifted away from that. Yeah. I don't know how we can get back to that when we as the church, and that's where I want to stay focused at, is that when we as the church wind up with our heads wrapped around so many other things other than the kingdom of God. What about if we put the energy into the things of God and the kingdom of God that we put into this last election? Would our world have changed any? It's a good question, I think. Yeah, be constant. On the, the military question, Brother Jason Shelton had said, when it comes to the military, I would, ask, I would ask, what would Jesus do on an individual level? I think that was in response to someone asking you if they should go in the military. Right. Um, and he also said, I believe the military is a worldly institution. And I would say, I believe, I, I believe that. It because is. there's evil in the world, we have set up a, a, a worldly institution of the military. We've also set up police force, mm -hmm. security forces. Um, are those sanctioned by the church? Not in, not in this country. No. And I think if you look at, countries where it is sanctioned by the religious beliefs you can run into some real problems yep. not keeping those separate um well let me let me just add something about that let's go back into the old testament and think about the sanctuary cities that was something that god set up mm -hmm. and it was for people if there was something that was done that was wrong they had an opportunity to go back mm -hmm. to that city and take refuge there so 
we see God setting some of those things up. You know, I'm thinking my mind's going to a scripture. I think it's maybe Preston can help with this. If you got it, Preston text it out. But he said, does a brother go to law with a brother? And, and, and it's, it's a shameful thing because we as God's people, we ought to be able to, you know, if Tony loans me a ladder and I fall off the ladder and break my arm, why am I going to sue Tony? I'm the one who fell off the ladder, right? But no, I'm going to sue him. I'm going to sue him. Tony knew that ladder was messed up. I'm going to sue him. The Bible teaches us against those things. Right. We have got to be different and peculiar when it comes to this type of subject, even the one... We can't fall in with the crowd on this right. subject. Yeah. We've got to be different. Right. I think this is part of what makes us different as God's children is not doing things that other people do. Right. Go ahead, brother. You said you had another comment? Yeah, I'm just reading through here. Brother Tony Malatesta um, had Mark, Mark 1.14 now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And 15th verse says, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Jesus came preaching salvation, not politics. That's good. That's exactly what he did. Um, you know, it, my mind's going to so many different places, but I do want to go read something for us real quick. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 22. If we could just flip over there real quick. Matthew chapter 22, because I, I think this is really important. In Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 17, it said, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness. You know, before we go much further in even reading this, automatically we see a question that's being presented with wickedness. In other words, there's no honesty to this question. All they're doing is trying to trip Jesus up. And Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, you hypocrites? <laughs> You're tempting me. Yeah. The reason why he said that was because the Jews thought that the money that had been created by Caesar, because money was something that was new during that time, it had been traded in ancient times as well, but they started putting inscriptions in people's faces on those, and Caesar was on that coin. And so the Jews actually thought that that was a form of paganism because it had Caesar's image, a man's image, on that coin. And so if Jesus would have answered this question in the wrong way, they would have, they'd have tripped him up. And that's exactly what they knew they were doing. They were trying to trip him up. But you can't trip Jesus up. No. He's wiser than any man could ever believe. I mean, there's, you're not going to catch him out of place. It's just not going to happen. Jesus says to them, he said, show me the tribute money. Give it here. Show it to me. <laughs> He said, and they brought unto him a penny, and he saith, whose is this image and subscription? Who, in other words, who's on here? They say unto him, Caesar. Then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are, which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. I believe here that Jesus makes a clear, definite separation 
of the things that are God's and the things that man has created in the world, like images of currency, politics, the military, all of those things. But to say that if a young man goes in the military, he's not a Christian, you can't say that either. No. No. I think what happens is people get caught up in these bombastic statements, right? They make these statements that are so grandiose, and we won't walk them back sometimes whenever they're wrong. Mm -hmm. If a young man feels like that God's leading him that way, I'm not going to question that. But I also want to say this. Most of the time, whenever we think about God and we think about the things going on in our world, and we think about all the conflict that's in our world, our minds first, our minds go to the very first thing that we go to is what is our military strength? Do we have more weapons than somebody else? We're constantly thinking about how we can outgun other nations and how we can out. You know, I believe that God, when America was being formed, it was being birthed into this world that if America would have stayed on the right path, it truly could have been a nation that changed the world. It could have been a nation that truly made a difference to all the rest of the world. We could have been offering Christianity, and it has. It has changed the world. And in terms of, you know, not just bad things, but good things as well. And I do, I do want to say this. I read an article. Did you guys hear about that big ice storm that happened down in Texas? A bunch of people without power. The government... <laughs> They're in trouble because they can't get it solved. I mean, there's millions of people without power. It's just a power problem. And now they're in, in really, really horrible trouble because there's millions of people without water. They're having to boil it. I mean, all kinds of stuff going on. And the government's failing. It's the truth. They're failing. But I read an article where there was these people in the grocery store and the power went out. And that grocery store let all those people leave without paying. Just said, no, it's okay, just go ahead and leave without paying. Now, I don't know about you, but that is truly an act of kindness. Somebody had to have something going on in their lives. I'm thinking that's a God thing myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody kind of, ha they had to have something going on. And then here's the incredible thing about that. All those people, not all of them probably, but a lot of them who got to leave the store without paying, all of them come back and they had this big, huge shopping day where they couldn't hardly keep up with the people coming in to shop because they did the right thing. It wasn't about the money to them. It was about doing the right thing. God help us to get back to a time when we do the right thing, that we're not motivated by a party or we're not motivated by a policy, that we're not motivated by an opinion, that we're doing the right thing because it's the right, because Christians live righteously. Right? Amen. And I just thought, man, what a beautiful story. Like, do you guys go ahead and go, don't pay the grocery bill. And then the next thing you know, the store is absolutely flooded when the power's back on and, the, and they're kind of paying it back. Mm -hmm. Don't think that our, you know, there's still a lot of good people in this world. Yeah. Yes. And I don't know if it's true or not. You guys have heard this saying, right? Well, if he's a good man, once he gets to Washington, he won't be a good man any longer, right? There might be some truth to that too. Yeah.
I got to share this. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. But there's an old movie that has Jimmy Stewart in it. It's called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but it's, it's powerful. And it's what we're talking about. It's a man who goes to Washington wanting to do the right thing. And the swamp, as it's been called, or the machine that has been called, or whatever those, you know, those uh, um, adjectives have been used to describe it, right? He's truly a man who's trying to stand against it. That's the guys I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. That's the guys I want to see. People and men who are really godly people who want to make a difference and want to make a change. Any more comments or questions? Uh, there was just a couple people actually posted this scripture, and this was around where we were talking about the military, and you had mentioned, um, you know, protecting your house. Mm -hmm. that, you know, man is worse than an infidel if he can't protect his, his own uh, family. Um, they had said Matthew 24, 43 through 47, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. But then Robert Mowry, he posted that, but he also posted a par parallel verse. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peacefully with all men. Oh, those are great balanced scriptures. Yeah, balanced scriptures. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's so much truth to that. Yeah. All those things come down to, and I think this is what the whole concept of this subject is tonight, is being led by the Spirit of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Those that are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means if you decide to vote, that you're led by the Spirit of God. That means if you decide to get involved in something in your life, that you're led by the Spirit of God. That we don't just haphazardly step into things. That we truly seek God's face to know, God, what, what is it here? What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. I miss the days where we didn't talk about politics. I don't care who you voted for. I don't, you shouldn't care who I voted for. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, that same token, I, I remember, you know, we could have the conversation around the same time and people were talking about churches splitting over contemporary music and mm. non-contemporary music. Yeah. Mm. But now you have churches splitting over Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. You know, you yeah. have these you have these big names and people are like, no, if you're not X, Y, Z, you're this, this, and this, you know. And I think that we miss that in conversation. You know, we, we really, that's not our focus. Who cares about them? At the end of the day, who's still in control? Right. Who still has 100% control over the whole yeah. country, yeah. the world, yeah. per se? You know, uh, we should still be focusing on something that they can't fix, mm -hmm. and that's saving the next soul, yeah, bringing awesome. the next soul to God. You know, and and we're losing that. We're losing that as a church. We're losing that as a local community. We're losing that as a government. You know, mm -hmm. it's that's the focus. You know, we should be taking care of one another. We shouldn't be relying on government plans. The church should be reaching out to these people. We should right. be just like you said down in Texas. Instead, the, the media and people are crucifying people. You know, there, I mean, one guy fled and went to Mexico mm -hmm. and they're crucifying him because he didn't have power, you know. And, but, but now nobody's, you know, what, what could the media be helping? They're making trillions off this garbage, right, you know. Exactly. They could be reaching out and helping, but that's, we've lost focus. We've all lost focus on that. And that's, I think that's where we're losing it. Uh, even uh, and it starts with us in the church we right. start you know we should be having the conversation that you can vote the way you want to vote i'm going to vote the, but i'm not going to love you any less as a brother in christ right i'm still going to do what i have to do to help you and you're going to do what you have to help me and we should be crossing those barriers and this goes deeper than politics you know 
you know, another thing we, we mentioned was like race and stuff like that, you know, a lot of race baiting and things like that. We, right. we really have to step past these lines and say, this isn't my fight. This conversation isn't my fight. What my, I'm concerned with, where are you with Christ? Right, right? exactly. Not with your political affiliation. Right. You know? yeah. And that's, as a, as a congregation, as people of the congregation, we're losing that. Sure. Because we get so tangled up in, like I said before, the stimulus, the yeah. economy, the things like that. We're, we're losing. Yeah, we're losing the conversation of what really matters because we get so tangled up in that stuff. Right. And I, that's a that's a big big problem we've got going on. So I, I just I have a question for all of us who's ever listening, whoever's you know, how do we change that focus? I mean, we can do it individually, but how do we as Christians help other people to see that there's a kingdom other than the United States of America or Russia or China? that it's the kingdom they really want to be a part of, you know, how do we begin to change that? I think what you said it best last Sunday, we've got to get back to basics. Yeah. All the way around um, from our daily lives to our, in our church. I mean, we have a pretty well tight knit church here, you know, but we could do better. Hmm, we have to sure. get back to basics. We have to get back to prayer services. We got to get back to having, um, you know, a common, a common goal, you right. know, and not yeah. just showing up here, to check off a list, um, you know, I'll be the first to tell you that I've, I've went down that road where I've prayed, I've fasted, I've checked the list of things and it didn't go through. Right, right. right and yeah. I took that chance and I was like, you know, this is frustrating. But at the same time, I had people that knew I was frustrated and they reached out to me and said some of the most amazing things. You know, I didn't go down and burn down a building because I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> right, but, right. <laughs> and, and I may have ignored your phone call the first time you called. But, yeah. but, I got, you know, when I got those words of encouragement via text or via phone call, there was those plethora of people in this congregation that did that. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're missing. Right. That's what the other churches, the religion, the the world is missing is, right. hey, it's okay. You know, you know, nobody wants to hear if you fail a test like I did, nobody wants to hear, oh, you didn't fail. It's just a stepping stone. They want you to waller in that with them. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me a couple right. hours to waller in it and then we'll talk about it, yeah. you know? Yeah. But when people are constantly beating it down your throat, no, you didn't fail. You're just one step closer. Yeah, That's what the world needs. And if that's led by Christ, if that's a spirit-led conversation, man, it would rock this world. Yeah, I mean, it would I rock this that. community. Yeah, I believe that. I think if we put the same amount of time as we did into the things of God, as these other things that we're talking about, that it would begin to change our world. Yeah. When I mean change our world, not necessarily the United States of America, but when we say one soul is worth the whole world, is one soul worth the world enough for you to not get so wrapped up in what's going on in this mm -hmm. little yeah. circle or what you think is gonna be best, right? Absolutely especially for a nation. Yeah. You know, another scripture come to my mind and it's a reality check scripture, but it's true. A nation that forgets God shall be turned to hell. Shall be turned to hell. And I think God was serious about that. You know, the only thing that's going to make a difference for you and I is us making a difference to other people. Right. Yep. And that's really where it starts. Yep. I used to always think about this big, huge footprint, right? I did. I used to always think, man, I've got to do something spectacular for God. You know, 
I've got them, and I tried some of those things, right? I'm going to move to a mission field. I'm, you know, I'm going to do what. And then God started dealing with me, and one of the things He shared with me was, "You have a world, mm-hmm. you have a place, you have a work. You know, quit thinking about all these big, huge things that you want to do, because there's people all around you while you're distracted on that who need to hear about me, and you're not sharing them with me, sharing me with them." Because you're worried about this big footprint that you'll have. Yeah. I don't, ha- you know, we can't walk in that big, big footprint. We have our own. Yeah. When we think of, when I think of my grandkids, I think about the footprint that I'm going to have in their lives. One of these days, Paul's going to be gone. I'm going to be dead. I wonder what they're going to say about me. Oh, Papa was a good old boy. I'll tell you one thing. He voted this and this and this every time, and that's why I love my Papa. Because boy, he was a die-hard so-and-so. <laughs> I hear that. I hear people say that. Right? I don't want my grandkids to say that about me. I want them to miss me because they miss the God in me. Amen. That's what I want them to miss about me. I want them to miss the God in me. I want my kids to miss their daddy because of the God that was in their daddy. And I think that's what will make a difference in the world, Scott. I really do. Yeah. But people don't think about that. A lot of Christians don't think yeah. about that either. It's more, how can we grow this? How can we make the church bigger? Yeah. You know? You know, what programs can we put on to make things different? So. Yeah. We got any more comments? Yeah, we do. How are we doing on time, Greg? I know we're uh, we got about seven minutes. Okay, okay. Um, so we'll run through a few a few of these. Whenever we were talking about how we um, how we make a difference and kind of change that focus, uh, Jason Shelton had, had mentioned point to Christ for the answers. Oh, and it, awesome! And it, it's it kind of gets back to the it's the back to basics, right? Mm-hmm. We know that, and it's like, well, no, that's too simple. No, that is what it is. Yes. yes. Right? It's pointing people to Christ rather than to other things. Um, Sister Becky Laywell had asked, relating to Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46, and we're not going to read that for time's sake, but concerning feeding the poor, etc. based on this passage, whose responsibility is it, the government or the church? It's the church. It's the church. I mean, honestly, it, it is truly the church. And, and you know, I just, I think that's a great question. And I just, I want to say this real quick. You know, the church as we know it is kind of shied away from those things mm-hmm. before, you know, because it's like, oh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to get involved in that. We're worried about people taking advantage of you, of us as a church. You know, I, I worked a construction job over in Asheville and there was a guy who come out of the emergency room and you could tell somebody about beating half to death the night before. I mean, he was just bruised, both eyes bruised, faces cut. And he walked up to all of us construction workers and he said, could somebody loan me a dollar for a bus ticket? And I gave him a dollar. And then two boys started making fun of me. Oh, man, you just you wasted that dollar. When you gave him that dollar, all he's going to do is go buy a bottle of wine. Brother, God brought thought to my mind just so instant. I looked at them boys. I said, I'm going to tell you boys something. When I handed that man that dollar, God seen a bus ticket. Whatever he does with it, that's going to be on him. But I'm getting credit for giving him a bus ticket. Glory to God. That's right. Because God told me to give him a dollar. It says you've entertained angels. Exactly. And yeah. you've done it to the least of these. You've done it to me. So, yeah. I mean, it, whether that, that's not on us. 
<laughs> no, that's not I me. Mean, that's not that's. I mean, it's not my call to say if you need it or not. Now, you can obviously see if you got some repeaters that coming in. That's that's different. That's different. But that's a whole conversation for another day. But yeah, it's you've done it to the least of the commission is given to us, not the not the government. I believe that is twenty five, right? That's a great commission, Matthew twenty five. Yeah. So here's the other thing: every person you see standing out on the side of the street doesn't mean that they're the guy who if you walk around the corners driving a mercedes because we hear we hear those stories right yeah here's the other thing maybe they are that drug addict maybe they are that drug addict but i wonder if while you you know if god tells you to stop and give them give them one of them homeless bags yeah yeah right I was thinking when you're this. handing that homeless bag out the window and saying God loves you, I'll never forget Mark Whitehead's testimony. Just got saved, hadn't been saved very long. He went, he goes through the Hardee's drive-through, and he said he drove through the drive-through, and God said for him to tell the girl behind the counter that God loves you. And he didn't do it. And he said he started pulling away, and God said, Uh-uh, Mark, that ain't gonna work. He went back through the drive-through. <laughs> And he pulls up and he didn't order anything. And he just said, hey, I forgot to tell you. He said, no, I didn't forget. He said, God wanted me to tell you that God loves you. That's an awesome thing. Yeah. It really is. Because those that are the children of God, right? Those that are God's children are led by God's spirit. Maybe they are the drug addict. But I wonder, are you going to take time to say, hey, God loves you? There's a way out, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We got any more? Yeah, we got one more. Kevin had said, to me, I believe the government has failed everyone. I didn't learn much about politics in school, but it seems that politicians have become professional liars. I choose not to vote because I've never been politically informed, and I don't think God has told me I need to fix that. Am I wrong as a Christian to believe this way? You mentioned before you don't feel duty-bound to vote as a Christian. So does that mean if God has not convicted you to feel that way, you're doing what God wants you to do? I certainly believe that, Brother Kevin. I mean, until God divinely leads you. Now, there's going to be people who say, well, if you're a Christian, you're going to vote this way. Well, if God tells you not to vote, you don't have to vote. You need to vote by your conscience. We need to allow God's Spirit to speak to our conscience. Amen. And then we need to leave that with each other, right? How many of us have said, God showed me this or God showed me that only to find out later that God wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. Anybody ever have that happen? Oh yeah. But boy, hundred percent God's in it. Oh, hundred percent. I had a brother tell me one time, he said, brother, I believe God's in this. And I tried to tell him, I said, brother, I don't think God's within a hundred miles of that, but you can go ahead and do it and see how it turns out. It's up to you. And it didn't turn out good. But I've done things where I've said, I know God's in this. I feel like God's in this. I quit a job one time because I was like, God's in this. I know God. God was not in me quitting that job. It's because of what I wanted to do. We have to be led by the Spirit of God if we're the children of God. If you get anything out of this, to sum this up, I want you to be more worried about casting your vote for Christ yes. on an everyday basis. Yes. Yep than in a four-year or two-year election. Because when you cast a vote, what you're saying is, I accept this person as my leader. Yes. 